1895, an old Swedish man sat down to write his will. He had one clear goal in mind, to bestow his love of investigation onto the world. He was a big proponent of intellectual property protection. Within his lifetime, he'd acquired 355 patents worldwide. The man had spent his entire life chasing down his curiosity, experimenting and inventing wherever he could. And now he wanted to reward the most curious minds by recognizing them for their talent. And so he created a foundation that would celebrate the brightest scientists, the most eloquent artists, and the most fervent fighters of peace. His name was Alfred Nobel. The Nobel Assembly at Karolinska Institute has today decided to award the Nobel Prize. The Norwegian Nobel Committee has decided to award the Nobel Prize. The list of Nobel Prize recipients in every category is dazzling, to say the least. The scientists that are recognized have contributed to some of the most momentous advancements in human history, especially in the prize for physiology and medicine, like Gertrude Elian, who helped develop the foundation of today's drug treatments, or Alexander Fleming, who first discovered penicillin. The current medical field can thank these trailblazers for forging the path toward new discoveries and inventions. This is especially true in the field of cancer research. In this field, it isn't just about the awards inventors receive. In fact, that's probably one of the last things on their minds. It's really about the lives they can change, the lives they can save. Lives like Kathy Bell's. Kathy Bell. I'm from Olean, New York, a little small town in western New York. About five years ago, Kathy had just retired from her job when she started to feel a sharp, nonstop pain in her arm. She decided to go see a doctor who took x-rays and scheduled an MRI for the next day and then a bone scan for the day after that. So they were rushing me through tests. Well, when they called for the bone scan, I had a feeling something was wrong. So um, a few days later, on July 2nd, he set an appointment with me to go down. I'm the one who said to him, I have cancer, don't I? It was melanoma, stage four. For most people Kathy's age, that's almost always a fatal diagnosis. The bone scan showed I had it everywhere. Um, spots just lit up everywhere. But Kathy's doctor didn't think so. When I got there, the first thing he said is that we have hope and I have a plan for you. He just said, if you can make it through those four treatments, um, he will try to extend my life this way. And I just said, when can I start? Fast forward to the end of Kathy's fourth treatment, and lo and behold, no cancer detected on that after that fourth treatment. And still, knock on wood, still doing great. From the Intellectual Property Owners Education Foundation, this is Stroke of Genius. To understand how Kathy survived this cancer, how she's thriving now as a mother, a grandmother, and a wife, we have to look closer at the treatment she received the newest approach to battling cancer, called immunotherapy. And to do that, we've got to go back to the scientists who are at the forefront of this new innovation. People like Kathy's doctor, or a man named Tsuku Hanjo. The Nobel Assembly 
at Karolinski Institute has today decided to award the uh, 2018 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine jointly to James P. Allison and Tasuku Honjo. Dr. Tasuku Honjo is a scientist from Japan, and he's lived there almost his entire life. I'm living in Kyoto, yes. I have been in Kyoto oh, since uh, 1979. When Hanjo was just 18 years old, he had a big decision to make. Japanese students have to decide a lot earlier than American students about the career path they want to follow. So when Hanjo graduated from high school, he decided he wanted to be a doctor. Okay, not so fast. He decided he wanted to go to medical school. I thought medical doctors might be boring because most of the patients you see are very simple disease, you know, cold or pain. That's routine. But a scientist, you see every day something interesting. That's what I hoped. Hanjo decided to devote himself to the science behind medicine. It was the kind of work that felt both daunting and exhilarating. It's like a climbing a mountain. <laughs> You never bored. You don't see the same scenery every day. Something different. And of course, you face the problems which you cannot solve easily. And you fail, of course, many times. You succeed only for your cases. But that's fine. So he set his sights on summiting a peak in the mountain range of research. But the next question was, which mountain? There are dozens of fields within medical research, from pediatrics to neurology to toxicology to dentistry. Hanjo decided he'd just start walking. I started as a biochemist or molecular biologist. And as he walked, just like he said it happened, the scenery began to change. He honed his focus on the immune system. He decided to study in the U.S. at the Carnegie Institute of Washington in Baltimore. And again, the scenery began to shift. Now, he and his advisor were focused on cancer treatments and the ways our bodies react to them. He was moving closer and closer to the mountain. Cancer has always been a devastating disease. More than one in three people will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetimes. And in 2020, it's estimated that more than 600,000 people in the U.S. alone will die from it. Part of what makes cancer so deadly is how little we know about it. My name is Lisa Butterfield, and I've been doing solid tumor cancer immunotherapy for about 25 years now. The disease can manifest and mutate alarmingly fast. It's smart. It tricks our immune systems by pretending to be a T-cell. The T-cells, or white blood cells, let the cancer through thinking it's just another T-cell. So the clever, successful tumor can grow and divide and spread and have its own blood supply, and it can remain invisible to the immune system by shutting it down. The scientists who study cancer are smart too, but they're scrambling to keep up with the disease that can literally outsmart our own bodies. Up until 30 years ago, scientists had developed three types of cancer treatment, surgery, radiology, and chemotherapy. What's difficult about these techniques is that they don't always work. And even if they do, they can take a serious toll on a person's body. 
don't poison the whole patient with chemotherapy in the hopes that the tumor is a little more sensitive to the chemotherapy than the patient is. Don't irradiate the patient when the tumor has spread from where you irradiated to other sites. Don't cut out the tumor when the tumor's already spread. It's out of the barn and it's everywhere. And after all this time, scientists started to feel like there had to be another way. Some started to wonder, what if there was a way to make the immune system smarter? A way to take the brakes off the system entirely. But why are there brakes on the immune system in the first place? Right. That's a good question. I forgot to explain. <laughs> you need the axle and brake, just like a car driving. Think about the immune system like a car engine. Like I said, some of the T-cells' purpose is to spot invaders in our system. These T-cells rev the engine to start attacking these invaders. But they cannot continue to activate it. There are other T-cells that have to know when to hit the brakes. Or else the system will go into overdrive and start attacking itself. So there are pedal-to-the-metal cells, the ones that attack, and there are brake cells, the ones that call for everyone to stand down. Remember, though, cancer cells can disguise themselves as T-cells. So when that happens, T-cells will hit the brakes, allowing the cancer to start mutating throughout the body. It can remain invisible to the immune system by shutting it down. But what if, whenever a doctor knew their patient had cancer, they could just turn the immune system's brakes off so T-cells could keep the engine going? So we just have to show the immune system what the tumor is, what's different about the tumor compared to the normal tissue, and then, you know, give it a push, and then the immune system will do the rest. That's my hope. And so was born a new type of cancer treatment called immunotherapy. In the 90s, a scientist in Texas got really, really interested in immunotherapy. His name is James Allison. And in 2018, he'll win the Nobel Prize right alongside Hanjo. But in the 90s, Allison was studying a particular suppressor, or break cell, in the immune system. It's called CTLA4. He started experimenting on mice. He wanted to know what would happen to mice with cancer if the CTLA-4 break was removed from their immune systems. Allison, one year later, showed blockade of CTLA-4 stopped the growth of the tumor. With the break turned off, the cancer wasn't tricking the T-cells. But there was a problem. If you destroy the gene of CTLA-4, all mice die within four weeks. So that means this is a bit dangerous. Turning the brakes off on any system is risky. Research, it's everyday challenging. And you fail, of course, many times. But Allison kept working, refining the process. To use Hanjo's metaphor, he kept climbing the mountain. And ultimately, he found a way to minimize the side effects of turning off CTLA-4. He patented this approach and Bristol-Myers Squibb bought it to produce a cancer treatment drug called Yervoy in 2011. It was used to treat melanomas, and for people like Kathy Bell, it worked. 
the treatment that I had was just approved a week before by the FDA. It fell into everything just fell into place. Lisa Butterfield also saw the success of Yearvoy. Um, I was sharing an office with um, a clinician, and at lunchtime, uh, we'd both be in the office, and he'd be on a call for some of these early clinical trials. And, you know, so I got to hear this discussion about how the trials were going. And, and one of our patients, she hears about this other trial um, with this antibody down in Long Beach. So she goes down the freeway to Long Beach, and she gets injected with this antibody that turns out to be CTLA-4. And then all her tumors went away and she was fine. That was uh, my first up-close view of what it could do. Throughout Allison's climb, Hanja was watching. And ultimately, he decided to climb the same mountain, the Mount Everest of medicine, beating cancer. The challenge of balancing breaks and no breaks in the immune system was daunting, but one that Hanjo knew he could take on. And he figured maybe there was another path to the summit. He and his family moved back to Japan so that his kids could go to school in their home country. Now a professor at Kyoto University, Hanja recruited a team of grad students to start the climb with him. And soon enough, one of Hanjo's students found a cell that worked as a break in the immune system. It was a protein that they called Program Death Receptor 1, or PD-1. But the function of this uh, new protein, PD-1, is not so easy to be solved. It took us almost uh, eight years. So we discovered this molecule in 92, and the final answer published in 99. But we found definitely this is a molecule which uh, put the negative regulation, meaning a break, on the immune system. Like Allison, Hanjo and his team began to study the effects of PD-1 in mice. And actually, uh, if we completely block PD-1, in mouse model, cancer cannot grow. Okay, so then that's the moment we hit the uh, cancer immunotherapy. And what's more, the mice whose PD-1 proteins had been turned off didn't suffer the same fate that Allison's first round of mice did. Uh, this effect is very mild. They do not die. They don't become sick so easily. This was Hanjo's first big peak. But the mountain's true summit still lay up ahead. So this might be good medicine candidate. He knew the discovery of something in a lab was just the first part. Getting it into the hands of patients who need it, that's a part of the journey a lot of research never survives. Hanjo, like Allison, knew that all the hard work he and his team had done could translate into really valuable medicine that could help treat cancer patients. So he knew finding the right company to sell the IP to would be really, really important. And this is always something that scientists have to consider because the research is the most valuable piece of the equation, but getting the IP patented solidifies all that hard work. It makes it accessible to millions of people, in this case, cancer patients, whose lives could be saved. Without staking the intellectual property, Hanjo's research might never reach anyone besides the mice in his lab. At that time, university 
IP office is very weak, so they advised me to, why don't you work with a company? In the early 2000s, when Hanjo was getting ready to apply for a patent, Kyoto's IP office was in its infancy. Hanjo says they had very little resources, financially or otherwise, to help him with developing his intellectual property. Hanjo got in touch with a company called Ono to help him find a buyer for his IP. They helped him develop his patent and told him, there's a company in the U.S. that's always looking to build up cancer treatments. Why don't you reach out to them? And uh, I explained, I have this uh, patent. And uh, the company jumped on almost immediately. That company was Meteorex, which was later bought by Bristol-Myers Squibb. With Ono and BMS, Hanjo's approach for turning PD-1 off removing that break from the immune system, hit the market in 2014 in a new drug called Updevo, which coincidentally, Kathy also took. And it was this combination of Updevo and Yervoy, Allison and Hanjo's drugs, that saved her life. I felt great. I felt like I could just go and do everything that I've always done. I just had that the willpower to get up and move and do things and not just sit in a chair and let everybody wait on me. I wanted to do it myself. Now that Hanjo and Allison had both brought their research to market, you might think there'd be some sort of competition between the two of them. But Hanjo said that's never been the case. When they talk, it's never as competitors. If anything, it's more like old friends. And that friendship was solidified in 2018 when both scientists received a very important phone call. Dr. Hanjo was sitting in his office, working on a manuscript for an upcoming publication. And suddenly, my secretary rushed into my office. You have to catch the call, <laughs> she shouted. Because normally, when we discuss uh, about the manuscript, I close the door, and uh, normally they don't disturb. But she just uh, was so excited. It was the Nobel Prize Committee informing Hanjo that he and Allison had just been co-awarded the 2018 Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine. When I went to the lab and told my people this happened, every got very much excited. Dr. Hanjo and James Allison were going to Stockholm. At the ceremony itself, Hanjo recognized the weight of his accomplishment. <clears throat> Professors Allison and Hanjo, your groundbreaking research has added the fourth pillar in cancer therapy. Uh, the most uh, important uh, point is uh, go to the center of podium and receive the medal from King Gustav. There's a photo of this moment when Hanjo is reaching to shake King Gustav's hand. Hanjo told me he doesn't like to show emotion too often and that he remains calm in pretty much every situation. But in this photo, in his pleated hakama, with James Allison standing beside him, he's undeniably smiling. Even still, 
Hanjo doesn't think he summited the mountain just yet. Hanjo equates his accomplishment to that of another Nobel Prize winner, Alexander Fleming, the inventor of penicillin. It's uh, somebody said this is just like penicillin in infectious diseases because penicillin was revolutionary, but it didn't solve everything. Hanjo and Allison's research is just setting up a base camp, and Hanjo knows that. I think we need more studies. This is just beginning. And so, the climb continues. Uh, I always tell my students there are two types of the scientists. Let's say a group of scientists are climbing their mountain, and they come across a big river. Hanjo says the scientists will fall into two camps of people. The first camp? Those people who make a beautiful bridge. These are the scientists who are determined to get to the other side of the river, to keep going forward with new technology and innovations. Then there is the other camp. But for me, it's more important to find out what is the origin of this river. Hanjo's patent on PD-1 research was a careful, patient study of the way our bodies work, why the systems are there in the first place, and how to help them work better. And that's the way he teaches his students. He wants to make sure that all students of science have the resources that Kyoto University couldn't originally offer him in terms of IP development. So certainly the patent is under my name, but behind we have full support of a university and many uh, associate students. So I think the majority of the fruit should go to academia. So this positive cycle uh, through intellectual property is very important. But here lies a steep, steep incline on Hanjo's mountain. Right now, Hanjo is currently in the middle of a lawsuit with Ono. He's suing the company for 22 billion yen, about $200 million. But we have a very unfortunate uh, fight with Ono. The royalty agreement between Ono and myself was very unfair because uh, I didn't get reasonable royalty. The lawsuit is complicated and still pending. Ono has chosen not to comment on any ongoing litigation, but Hanjo claims he hasn't received his fair share of royalties from the PD-1 patent. If he wins the lawsuit, all that yen will go where he thinks it belongs. If I get enough uh, royalty, I want uh, actually, I already set up the fund in the Kyoto University. Uh, this fund is uh, support young investigators. And in future, I believe, Cancer immunotherapy will be the major treatment for cancer. And uh, hopefully by the end of this century, we can say just like previous century for infectious diseases, we human have conquered cancer. That's my hope. Just like Alfred Nobel before him, Hanja wants to leave a legacy for the innovators of the future. At the end of our conversation, I asked Hanjo one last question. Is, is there anything else I haven't asked you that you'd love to talk about? Uh, so 
At the banquet, at the end of the banquet, each group uh, gave a speech. For Jim and me, I gave a speech. So I just read very sh short one paragraph. Okay, so this is the last part. Jim and I both know that the development of a discovery, discovery is just, just beginning. As currently, only 20 to 30% of patients respond to the immunotherapy. We encourage many more scientists to join us in our efforts to keep improving cancer immunotherapy. We sincerely hope this treatment will reach far and wide so that, so that everybody, everybody on our planet, planet can, benefit can benefit from this evolutionary gift for healthy life. I asked Kathy Bell one last question too. I asked her what she thought she might say to Dr. Hanjo or Dr. Allison if she bumped into them on the street someday. Oh gosh, <laughs> I would thank them so much for, for pursuing this and keeping going with it. And when I think about everything that's happened in my life in these past five years that I would have missed, I wouldn't have been able to see. Uh, I'm just, thank you, you know, thank you. <laughs> Do you know someone who's fought against cancer? Share with us a picture of them along with their story on Facebook at IPOEF. This episode was brought to you by Fagri Drinker. Innovation can come in a flash, but protecting intellectual property takes strategic planning. Fagri Drinker has nearly 200 IP professionals to assist clients in monetizing and protecting their intellectual property. Fagri Drinker is a law firm designed for clients with IP services tailored for you. Visit fagridrinker.com to learn more. This episode was produced by Goat Rodeo, a creative audio agency dedicated to guiding and empowering storytellers. Keep an ear out for us.